This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. I still like that song. We, yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. That's it's kind of good. It's good, isn't it? Hey, Matt. That's kind of good. Um, oh, wow. The red light song. Yeah. That, that is significant. It means something. Mm. I've forgotten what it is. Mm. <gasps> through, the, means, through the wonders of radio broadcasting. Yes. It means we're in your ears again. It is. It's conditioned reflect. It's the Pavlovian <laughs> response do you, here. Do you do it at home? I'm going to put a little flashing red light in your house just to drive you nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Could be like a Beaker from the Muppets. <laughs> I start talking now. <clears throat> well, the first thing I need to say is a very, very good afternoon to you all, and that's quite sincere. I hope mm. you are all well. Uh, Matt's got his um, he has his Liberty Cup, yes, which we, is the tradition. We have our favourite coffee cups. Yes, I have the French one, and I have the little Statue of Liberty in New York cup. I have Paris, and uh, Matt has always had New York. Yes. Because that's just the way things are. Tradition. Creatures of habit yes. here in East Brunswick. And there are many traditions that we follow here in uh, in our lives, around this town. Mm. And uh, and let's talk. Let's let's speak of this. I mean, of in the radio show as well. I mean, yes. one of the traditions is John. Yes, a great tradition. Yes, the sage of we, the market. We often get asked, "Who is this John guy?" And uh, he is the proprietor of Tomato City there at Queen Vic Market. He is. Just near the deli uh, building in Isle... I always forget the Isle Edge. Number. Isle Edge. Shit, Edge. Edge, yeah, Edge, shit. Uh, shit, mate. <laughs> it's like a prison division. Edge, shit. Um, so go and say good day. He's got a little triple sticker on his... He's stomach. done time. He has. Jeez, has he? And has he what? Well, He's been there for... Well, longer his than life. you and I have been doing this show. Well, pretty much his... his uh, not quite his working life. I think he did have a bit of time in... Business. Mm. And then he went, all right, Dad. All right, Joe. I'll come around the store. Yeah, yeah, Joe and Nancy. So he went, yeah, all right, I'll give you guys a day off. And we, we're going to talk to him today. In fact, you've already talked to him because he's in this little recorded device over here. He is indeed. And that is on the show today. That is on the show today. Um, and then we talk about other uh, traditions. This mm. is actually a very market-centric show, big mm. market. Uh, because yeah, really. Yes, now you mentioned it. Yes, because... <laughs> Nigel Wood, mm. who's the, the head of the Truffle Growers Association in this fair state of ours, yes. Victoria, mm-hmm. um, is going to be doing a truffle festival, mm-hmm. which I'm going to be helping out with, which he mentioned. Yes. Um, and we talk about the truffle. Uh, it's mainstream now. Is it really? I'd say. Not, it's not quite supermarket aisle seven mainstream yet, though, is it? It is supermarket aisle seven, if that's where you get your Ooh. chips from. Oh, of course, one of the yes. things we do speak of is the... Um, the potato and, chip. Well, and we use brands. There is a mm. brand, and I'm going to do Red Rock. Yeah. The Red Rock truffle and salt is probably the best manifestation of mass truffle flavour you will find. Right. But if you want the real thing, yeah. it's going to be all happening at the market uh, because it is truffle season. The tuber melanosporum. Mm-hmm. That fungus that grows in symbiotic relationship with oak and hazel. Gee, that was a bit of bad timing. <laughs> I was making a good point then. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk to him about yes. uh, truffles. So that's happening around the market. And the other thing we talk about, tradition. Mm-hmm. Tradition, tradition, tradition. When you go to the market, a lot of people, a visit to the market would be incomplete without three things. Mm-hmm. One, yes. for the carnivorous of us, mm-hmm. a bratwurst. Right. Tick. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Concord. Yes. Yes. Number two, mm-hmm. 
the upstarts, the newies that have come in the place, the Turkish women who've mm-hmm. been there for 20 years, <laughs> the borek. Yeah, I love the borek. The spinach and feta borek. Or the spicy lamb, if you're... But too spicy for I know, me. you say that's too much chilli for the morning. It's like, I really, I'm, I'm a bit of a chilli head, but for some reason... The spice lamb doesn't do it for you. No, so you always I just want the gentle one. So you, we've got bratwurst, we've got uh, borex. And, and then the next one, keeping me on track, mm. is, of course, the American Donut Kitchen. Yeah. So that's that bus that sort of parks... In between the two sort of main sheds. I don't and want to give too much away in the interview, but there might be more than one. Oh. Well, one thing, yes. one thing I've noticed about the, the jam donut bus is always a queue. It's all very popular. It's a good business. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a good business over the years. And it's been around for a very long time. 1950. And we're going to have a chat to the daughter of the, um, the founders she might be the granddaughter. It's it's like three generations that have been there since yeah. 1950. Yeah. Can you imagine Melbourne in 1950? Very different place. I wouldn't want to live here. Really? Just between you and me? Oh. Yeah, think about it. Anglo. Yeah. Do you like a drink? Do you like a drink after work, Matt? <laughs> well, then not a chance back then. Well, you had an hour. Yeah. Six o'clock swill. Mm-hmm. Do you like olive oil, Matt? Yes, you have to go to the chemist. Go to the chem- anyway, you know, you, you get the idea. And but no Sunday trading. In fact, I think everything closed on midday Saturday, didn't midday it? Midday Saturday. Yeah. Different time. Yeah. No ATMs. No. <laughs> Just pounds, shillings and pence. Yeah, and you didn't, no have to worry about, you didn't have to worry about Wi-Fi. That's true. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> we're going to have a chat to Julie Boning yes. um, at the end of the show uh, about the... The hot donut kitchen. I'm showing you a picture here. They were at Sunbury. Yeah, actually at the Sunbury concert. Yeah, they got around. So those uh, those donut vans weren't just dragged around behind a Jeep Cherokee. Yes. Or whatever you used to, I don't know, drag around the donut van. Uh, We'll find out from Julie. Um, And they got around. Mm. They they really did. And um, anyway, looking forward to uh, doing that. As we move across to uh, on three triple R at twelve oh eight, we were going to talk briefly about an event coming up this week on Tuesday, Cameron. Oh, you want to do that? Yeah, sure. That What's now? going on? It's called uh, where? One, it's called Once Upon a Tomb. What are you doing? What do you mean? What is that even about? So, what? Yeah, uh, our friend uh, Joe Wood from Bar Saracen has an event that celebrates. You were saying? Uh, well, I wanted to say Bar Saracen where. Punch Lane off yes. Little Burke Street in that very, very interesting precinct that's growing. Yes. Which includes Bar Saracen, Long Song, and, um, Anam, and the other one that I haven't been to, which I always forget, <laughs> which is terrible of me. But uh, if you're free this Tuesday, Tuesday. night, 6.30, it celebrates, you were saying, Lebanese um, immigration to Mexico. Huh? That's uh, a thing. Have you ever thought that was a thing? Hence, once upon a tomb. So, you know, hey, these Habibis go to the <laughs> Mexico City and they go, yeah. Or we're going to make, and so they adapted uh, the uh, the ingredients to suit their. It's a, it's a great sort of um, hybrid cuisine that yeah. I suppose was was developed. Yeah, and there's going to be a little bit of a a nod to it. And it's pretty cheap, sixty bucks a head. Um, so if you've got nothing to do on Tuesday, what better way to while away what could be a chilly Melbourne winter's night? Yeah, and you've got the uh, the incredible Yossi and Ari at the front of the house looking mm. after you. I mean, and they are classics. Um, Bar Saracen's website's probably the best place to go if you're keen. Bar, how do you spell Saracen? Oh, S A R C E N. C E N, not the yeah. greatest of radio, is it? How about I? Uh, we'll put it up on the Twitter feed thing. The 
Nice. That sounds like a, a good thing to do. We are here. It is 12.10 here on 3 Triple RFM. We've got a couple of interviews in the can. So uh, we're going to get into one of them. You want to do um, – we're going to do Nigel Truffles first. Is sure. that the go? Let's do that. All right. Lovely to have you along. Hope you're having a beautiful day. We didn't, did we thank the scientists? I can't remember uh, we No, did. we didn't. We should now. Thanks. So they're all gone. They're all gone. Thank you, Thank Shane you. and crew. As you're in your car driving away from the studio. Yes. Let's have a listen to The World of Truffles, according to Nigel. But first... Oh, but wait. Some sponsorship announcements. Oh, but of course. Of we course. Must. We must. Well, mate, you passed me the truffle and the brie. This is good. <laughs> uh, Nigel Wood, a very, very good afternoon to you. And a good afternoon to you too, Cam. Isn't it a good truffling afternoon? It is a good truffling afternoon. We've just been sort of hanging out and shooting the breeze, but we are here to talk about uh, the Truffle Festival, which um, you were very proudly telling me was, is now how many years old? We're now six. Six, six. We're, we're kind of out of out of the out of the diapers. Yeah, we're walking upright and forming are. thoughts. Yep, and you know, it's no longer the days when people say, "Oh, first 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 year I did the festival camp." Yes, uh, truffle festival coming up, and people say, "Oh, chocolates, oh, neat." Nobody says that anymore. Everybody, we, there's a we, Melbourneians now are really alive to truffle. It's great, yes. love it. And look, we've we've spoken over the years about how. Uh, this industry formed and the great David Hall who worked out how to get uh, to inoculate the roots of mm. trees with mm. the spores of truffles mm. so that uh, you can transform a southern hemisphere property into a truffier. Indeed, in, indeed, indeed. Can you say it properly? A truffier. Yeah, yeah, what's a truffier? It's basically a truffle farm, Cam. It's just the French word for a, for a truffle farm. And I guess what we've done since that early work, with the first... Uh, truffle in the southern hemisphere was was grown in New Zealand by Hall, mm. uh, and then a couple of years later, uh, first in Tassie, I think it was ninety nine. Yeah, um, and now uh, so so from in twenty years really we've gone from being no truffles in Australia, not a one, oh except for some some weird except indigenous for, ones, except for lots and lots of indigenous ones. There yeah. are probably a, a thousand species of indigenous truffles, but they're not culinary truffles really. Yeah. Um, so when our number three and or number four, depending on the seasonality uh, of the of truffle growing nations in the world, and the and the numbers uh, coming out of Western Australia in particular, but right around the country, two hundred and fifty truffle farms farming now producing in Australia. Two hundred and fifty. Two hundred and fifty farms. Well, Most of them are small like mine, but yeah. some of them are, are humongous. Biggest farm producing in the country now is thirty eight thousand truffle trees. Now they are running dogs up and down that. Imagine how many how many kilometres of Truffle trees. Dogs uh, must be exhausted. <laughs> Absolutely. Jeez. So, but the pro- projections are that um, within the decade, we could well be number one truffle producing nation in the world. No. That's it. Really? That's it. It's, um, wow. Yeah. They reckon the, the Western Australians alone are saying, which is where 85% of truffles come from already in Australia. And this is Mansion Up, which is sort of, if we're looking at a map, you go to Margaret River and then head inland, head east, yeah. like you're going to try to drive to Melbourne, but then stop at the truffles. You, yeah, it's sort of, it's basically, it's on. It's about three and a half hours out of Perth, yeah. and it is actually on the way to uh, to Margaret River. Another fir- hour and a half down the road is Margaret River. So, yeah. you know, you get some pretty good uh, Margaret River wines on the on the table, and some pretty good uh, Western Australian truffles on the table. That's pretty nice. And but and now that we have Melbourne, is is pretty much surrounded by truffles. That's the. I mean. Seriously, aren't we lucky? Yeah. Um, I can't think of any anywhere where there's a large capital city 
um, in the world that is literally surrounded by truffle farms within an hour and a half of town. Now, sure, the centre of the, of the Spanish truffle growing area is not a long way from Barcelona, but it's still three hours. Mm. We, we in Melbourne, um, we have uh, farms ringing, ringing Melbourne from the Otways uh, into uh, the Dalesford Macedon area, the Goldfields, uh, Yarra Valley, where we are. Mount Macedon. Uh, yep. Great spot. Uh, it is. Um, in fact, one of the there's a little just a side side story there. Um, little town called Gordon has um, uh, the most productive currently um, truffle farm in the country. The story there is a is a remarkable one. Um, that's probably coming up to 20 years old. That farm in in 2017 they produced 40 kilos of truffle. The next year they produced 220 kilos of truffle. And that was because just a heap more of the trees came into production last year. So that's a quarter of a tonne of truffle from one small truffle farm in Victoria. Can we just um, very, very quickly, let's do a Reader's Digest in case, look, most of us know, but what is the story with growing truffles? What do you have to do? Cut to the, cut to the guts of it. You, yeah. you, you are trying to reproduce a... Uh, a European forest. Yep. Now, in Australian soils, the soils are, for those with a bit of chemistry, the soils are, um, are usually around 5.5 pH. Mm-hmm. The, the, what the truffle wants is it needs, it won't grow unless the pH is at 8. 8? So the first thing you have to do is you have to modify your soil. You do a soil test, you modify your soil, you add lots and lots and lots of lime. Yes. On my little paddock in Gippsland, a truffle paddock farm, we added 110 tonnes of lime on 1.3 hectares. It looked like a beach. It was two inches thick, the lime sitting on... And then you work that into the soil. Mm. You let that percolate through the soil, if you're going to do it properly. You leave that for a year. And then you come along and you put in your irrigation system and then you plant irrig- uh, then you plant um, inoculated trees. What sort of trees? Uh, the most popular host tree in Australia is Quercus ilex, the evergreen oak or holly oak, holm oak, people know it as. Yeah. People also use other, other oaks are good, are good hosts, but... Hazelnut trees? Um, uh, and uh, hazels are the other ones. Now, are they good? Look, they're good in the right place. Um, I've planted some hazels at my place, but I wouldn't plant hazels again because my soil is very open and, and sort of sandy loam. If you've got somewhat more clay soils, the, the, the hazels will hang on over summer, but they're but they're a little bit they're a little bit um, uh, tender in uh, they need they need a bit more care and attention. Mm. I thought it'd be kind of nice to get that nut crop as well. Look, it, it sort of is, but it's the the challenge, Cam, with that, of course, is the hazels fruit in um, in autumn, and if you're going to go around you know stomping all around the tree collecting uh, them, what you're going to okay. do is you're going to kill the swelling truffles right underneath. And so it's, it's, it's more important what's happening below the ground than above the ground with that. Okay, yeah, so yeah. oaks, hazels traditionally has yeah. the symbiotic relationship yeah. with the tuber melanosporum. It does that. Um, and that's how we get the truffle. Isn't it amazing that in the seven, seven years, six years, mm-hmm. um, seventh year, yeah. if we yeah, do yeah, our yeah, arithmetic yeah. right, yeah. I've always been numerically yeah. challenged, um, <laughs> is the fact that, and I don't know if you agree with me folks out there, but... Truffles are now mainstream. They're no longer this thing that people don't know about. Affordable luxury is the, is the phrase I like to use, Cam. Um, mm. in, it, it, you know, in the old days, um, 
luxury used to mean oh, it was imported and it had to come from here and it had to come from there and all that sort of... These days, luxury is fantastic seasonal, seasonal local produce, I think. This luxury is around us, and, and yet... And, but also we've had this sort of... As we were talking and joking, there are these gateway drugs... Mm. Around the place, and yeah. and one we we were talking about, which was is is particularly valid and actually in a way laudable, mm. is and we're going to do a brand here, Red Rock potato chips with yeah. those trouble. They they've pretty much got it, haven't they? Mate, they got it. Um, Look, we know that those truffle products that are shelf-stable, yeah. um, you really can't make a shelf-stable uh, product without some without some flavouring or some essence. And so yeah, the trick really is to a, get... A little bit of uh, bioscience jiggery-pokery yeah. if we're going to actually... And, and there are... So it's so just in the same way that people are familiar with, a, with a, say, a vanilla essence bottle in the, in the fridge that never, nice. seen a, never seen a vanilla bean, mm. uh, these products have never been near a truffle. So they are made in a lab... Mm. Um, these days, however, people are uh, generally speaking, what they're doing is they're adding some real truffle as well as uh, as well as aroma, and trying to find a balance that complements the core ingredient to whatever that product is. Mm. It might be an aioli, or it might be a you know a mayo or a mustard or whatever. So, so it's a case of uh, and, and and the Red Rock people again to do branding things. I actually wrote to them and said, whoever did the flavouring needs a pat on the head because no, they right. are bloody ripper chips. Did yeah, you actually yeah, write I did, them? I did, I did, I did yeah. Oh, you don't know me. My name is Nigel. <laughs> I actually from a truffle, truffle farmer. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that's good. I meant they didn't actually get that as a signed testimonial. So anyway, there are... And it's um, coming from a truffle judge. Show. And a truffle judge. Yeah. So, so the f- and, and just on that, mm. the Australian Food Awards now have truffle as a category, fresh truffle as a category. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So that is also a sign of the mature of the maturing um, awareness of, uh, of of truffles in in uh, in Australia, really. All right. So that brings us to the point that it is truffle time at the moment, and um, if you do want to put down the Red Rock potato chips and get into the real thing, and it's all about for me, it, it's about that aroma that sort of seems to just surround you, beguiling, beguiling, beguiling aroma. Yeah. Um, and there is the truffle festivals happening at Queen Victoria Market, so we should probably mention that. And what's going to go on? That. Look, uh, fantastic! We've got the biggest collection, I think, of fresh truffle mm. uh, flavors and tastes uh, ever assembled in the country. Um, whole bunch of look, look, truffle everything, truffle pies, truffle, truffle fries, truffle, truffle anything, truffle falafel, for God's sake. Truffle falafel. Yeah. Um, truffle bow. Big oh. truffle and little falafel. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Truffle bow. All manner of truffle. Truffle bow. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Ooh. Truffle um, mac and cheese, no yeah, doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, all, of, all of that. All of that. So there's, so there's a gr- And salamis and, you know, the, the work. So any truffle taste that you could just about find is going to be found all in the one place that weekend. It's the winter solstice weekend. It's the 22nd and 23rd of June. Yes. Uh, a, a ripper entertainment program. Kick back in the bar with... Um, uh, with some tracks, um, enjoy some truffle cocktails, a truffle mm. ale perhaps, sir. Truffle ale? A truffle uh, uh, cocktail perhaps. Yes. Um, and then a fantastic uh, chef uh, demo program. Uh, yes. Good chefs from uh, from around Melbourne who, who just love truffle and want to show off their skills. When, when, when's this happening? Well, there's this there's this bloke that's uh, going to do the stage host. Oh, that that'd be you. Oh, well, there um, you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So it's it's the weekend. It's the twenty second and twenty yeah. third of June. Yeah, yeah. Saturday, at, the, at the Queen, Queen Victoria Market, Market. Yep. nine until seven on the Saturday, nine until four on the Sunday. A whole truffle weekend, mate. It sounds look. It sounds magnificent. And for those that might be thinking, mm, never tried truffles. 
Um, just to state the bleeding obvious, what is the best way to express the flavour of the truffle? What's your favourite sort of way to have a truffle? Well, my favourite way is, I, I reckon a truffle simple is best. Love a truffle scrambled egg. I was just going to say that. Yeah, me too. Truffled um, scrambled eggs. Also, uh, truffles just sort of on top of a really nice buttery risotto. You bet, you bet. A um, little bit of heat. I always say not just on top of, Cam. I, I reckon um, on top of to finish, yes, mm. but to really get some flavour um, uh, just in those last few minutes, because the truffle will take a little bit of heat, mm. in those last few minutes, with the, with the, and fats carry the truffle flavour, in those last few minutes with your risotto, that's when you put in some, blitz tru- some blitzed or microplane truffle, and then as you serve, you can, you can shave uh, over that, the top. That and that more. just gives you a little bit more. The, it's the heat and the fats that really release the flavours. And the smell yeah. is so beguiling. Yeah. So uh, there it is. Queen Victoria Market's on for two days. It's part of the uh, the winter solstice, which is kind of nice. It sort of makes it a little bit pagan it, too. It, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, you know, for people looking for the details, trufflemelbourne.com is where you, is where you find them. All right, there's some truffle brie here. We're going to get into that. You're listening to 3 Triple RFM. Nigel, thank you very, very much. Great. Been a pleasure. Let's go for the brie and see everyone next weekend. All right, we're, we're getting into it. Yes, and we did. Yes. And there was Bree. <laughs> it's all about the fat, isn't it? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's sort of got it. Heat and fat. Uh, 12.24 here on 3 Triple RFM. It's Sunday and you've joined us. Yes. <gasps> That's so nice. Well, there's a plate at the, uh, there's a place at the table for you. And, uh, we thought that, uh, well, there was a great misconception about truffles in the early days about, mm, what's a truffle? Well, maybe it's that chocolate truffle. Mm. Well, apparently Eric Clapton mm. and John Lennon were in a hotel room off chops. Doing what rock stars do. <laughs> Doing what rock stars do. And they found a box of chocolates and from reading the ingredients, <laughs> they made a song. And it goes a bit like this. Well, I've got to say, this might be the very, very first time I've actually seen John's buffing carrots at the moment. Uh, very, very good morning to you. A very good morning to you too and everyone else. I just wanted to bring up the beautiful purple carrot. And the purpleness of them. These are gorgeous carrots. They look like they've just come out of the ground. They still have the little root hairs attached to them. Um, and, yeah, and when you do rub them down, these are sort of like mm, garnet, burgundy, purple... Yes, they are. This is an heirloom carrot. You were telling me before that in the trivia you said that someone said that the uh, original carrots were purple from the 7th century. Well, I've always been told the rootstocks were white, so it doesn't really matter. These are a lovely carrot, a little bit different. They're very um, high in all the antioxidants and beta-carotene and all that stuff. Are they as um, sweet as a, a orange carrot? Yeah, we had a bit of a talk about that with the customers yesterday, and I thought, no, but the customers said yes, so customers always right. Really? We had them baked Monday night. (laughs) Did you you catch that? (laughs) Just a flick of the eyebrow there from John. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, yeah, always. Yeah, we had them baked, and they went really dark on the outside and bright yellow on the inside. I'd rather the red carrot myself, but these were nice. Wednesday night, we had them steamed with a little bit of olive oil over the top of them, and they went that beautiful magenta colour, not so bright yellow in the middle, mm. and they're really tasty and and they are sweet. I must admit. Mm. Um, How much? Yeah, uh, five dollars for a big bunch. This Woo! has got about seven or eight larger That's carrots. Good, good value. And the ones the size of a Dutch carrot's probably got about a dozen, fourteen, whatever. Yeah. 
you know. So there they are. And uh, what's the season for these? Well, I've seen the other varieties uh, mostly all through the year. But yeah. these purpley ones, um, especially this size, I, I, I've only been getting them from one grower um, June, July. So, you know, I, I've been telling uh, the agent that he's sending them to, to tell him to get off his uh, chair and, and keep planting. But apparently he doesn't need it. He only does this for a bit of pastime. So, Did you say get off his chair? Yeah, I was oh, going to say something else. Oh, I know something that rhymes with chair. Of his derriere. Yeah, off his yeah. derriere. Get off yeah. your derriere, yeah. my friend. But I'm not and very get a, get poetic on a Sunday morning. Oh, well, no, you're doing all, we're doing all right. And also the great thing is that today we've got sun on us, which is oh, kind of nice. And Isn't it lovely? It's it's worth having a, a very crisp morning. It wasn't too bad this morning. Mm. But the sun comes out and you feel alive again and you say, thank God it's Melbourne. Sorry, buddy, I'm in your sun. I'll just get out of the way so you can get in there. But the one thing that we haven't had yet is real frosts, have we? No, someone was telling me they had two very light frosts up the bush, but nothing to do any damage, so that's good. Um, We're lucky our tomatoes that uh, were growing in Doncaster, now they're growing in Coldstream, is on the side of a hill. Uh, Coldstream can get minus two and a frost, and he doesn't get it where he is because he's got trees on one side, vines on another, and he's on a hill. So sheltered from the the falling frost. Although... <clears throat> that can be a really, really bad thing if you've got tomatoes and sort of fleshy sort of things. But if you've got things like brassicas, if you've got um, cabbages, Brussels sprouts. Yes, they really need the It's uh, a good frost. thing, isn't it? Yes, uh, especially Brussels sprouts. Cabbages can go, uh, a green cabbage can go purpley on the outside because of the frost. Oh. But the Brussels sprouts love it. Uh, they actually grow better, firm up better, have more flavour. More sweeter. Or, yeah, they're sweeter. Um you know, they're not so sulfury either, mm. which is a problem for some people. They don't like the flavour. Yeah, so, you know, you might, you might get the, uh, what is the, um, what is the sheep grazier's warning? You know, you, that yeah. is such a winter forecast and you go, oh my God, the poor sheep. Yeah. Uh, at night. <laughs> you, go, you, you, you might sort of go, oh gee, I hope they've got their woolen blankets on. But the good news is that uh, for uh, <laughs> things like uh, Brussels sprouts and cabbage, it is a very, very good thing. Um, you did get some show and tell. So the first thing we looked at were the purple carrots. We have discussed them. Um, you've brought out... What do you want to talk about next? Just There's... to go backwards, yeah. just to show you the change of seasons and how lucky we are. Mm. Even though now we're definitely ah, into winter, Dad. I've got this beautiful big head of uh, lettuce. Yeah. It came out of Bundaberg. Um, it's very heavy. It's very green. Normally I don't like an, in, an intensely tight lettuce like that but these are very sweet because they grew quickly they had good water good weather good everything mm. um and only two dollars 30 each now um yeah that's not a bad price considering they come from far away yeah. it's a bit of a drizzle look that's something in the plant room isn't it nah. that, 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 yeah, that, that noise yes hey do you so, ever get uh, can i just digress yes do you do you have dried ricotta at your place yes have you ever had a salad of iceberg lettuce, dill, and just sort of um, grated dried ricotta over the top and a little bit of oil? And an anchovy as well. And an anch- sure, and an anchovy on top. Yes, definitely. That's the Italian version of a cherry on top. <laughs> <laughs> and an anchovy on top? Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, we're, we're suckers for the good oil and salt. 
But, oh my God, dried ricotta. Yeah, pre- it is Pretty hard, hard to find. Yes, it is. But you look around, you will find it. Where do you go? Um, like Mediterranean in... Yeah, look, a, a lot of the the dallies are getting the good stuff in now because the, the uh, trucks from the, the uh, cheese factories do go around doing deliveries. Mm. It's not like the olden days you wanted it, you had to go and get it. So, um, you know, if they're not afraid of, of putting something on that's a little bit more expensive... Um, they will buy, and that's a lot of the problem. A lot of times, shop shops, yeah. greengrocers, and that won't buy something. and say, "Oh, the customer won't buy it; it's expensive." You know, I've put on lines that I thought were exorbitant. Like we've got four beautiful little salad onions, just a little bit bigger than an egg, six dollars. It's a lot of money, but geez, they are excellent in a salad or in a sandwich. And people will buy them. You buy a little bit, you savour it. I was going to say they go a long way too. They yeah, um, they really really do. Oh, and also that idea for the dried ro- so the iceberg lettuce, dill, and dried ricotta, and anchovy on top for you. Um, we could also do that if you wanted to with some feta, which is a lot easier to find anyway. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yes. But the dried ricotta is really really. That's the it first works. time I had it. It's really good. Yeah. So, so um, this is beautiful. How much is that? Two dollars thirty. Oh, sorry. Not a real lot of money for a big lettuce like That's that. That's huge. Can you imagine how many sandwiches and salads you can make out of that. What does that weigh? Old uh, radar hands. Uh, probably about a kilo and a quarter. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really really. Yeah, it's a beautiful lettuce. That, that is quite something. Um, so now going forward back into winter. Yes, my favourite. Um, this is my favourite pumpkin bar none. Um, the butternut. Oh, what's this called? A golden shadow. Yeah. Well, well, well. I, I must this be marketing department has yeah, got look, in there. It's gone crazy. I don't really like stickers on veggies. But no, it's got. It, um, uh, can we describe the sticker? It's sort of uh, oval blue, very dark blue sticker. Uh, yellow writing, golden shadow, and, and grown in Australia sticker on it, which oh, is very, good. very good. Yeah, right. You know the graphics on our fruit and vegetables are probably the best in the world because if you see some of the orange boxes, they're really pretty as well. Mm. So th- this is um, very nice to look at as well. Um, what do you do? What do you do with a butternut? Oh, look, you name it, we do it. I, so, I love baked butternuts. Baked butternut, yes. I like mashed butternuts with about six or seven other root vegetables. Yes. And soup, of course. I, this is the one to make soup from, there I is, think. There is one better trombone, but it, I, not when, very well known here in Victoria, you, you know. Um, I haven't seen, you have one of those for yeah. about five years. Exactly, exactly. Seven years. Yeah. But the butternut's the next best because it's just so simple. Yeah. You need one onion, um, your, your pumpkin, mm. a little bit of water, or if you want to put a little bit of stock in. You don't need oranges to make it go bright yellow or orange like some of the chefs do. Yeah, forget it. Bit of salt and pepper. Yeah. Bit of milk at the end. Just as you're about to serve it, drop of milk on top to make it a little bit thick or creamier. If you really want to be bad, cream. And that's it. So I'll, simple. I'll go one step further than you. You ready? Yes. Cut the butternut up, right? Yeah. You put it in the pan. Yeah. You cover it with water. Yeah. And you boil it. And then you then you blitz it. Yeah. That's soup. That's and a bit of a bit of salt. Okay, and then you can start putting in a bit of cream, a bit of um, creme fraiche. There you go. I've got a little bit more gourmet. And, and if you want to go super gourmet, or uh, uh, and if you want to go super gourmet, we've talked about this. You open up a tin of crab and mix some crab in with some coriander. Oh, and, nah, nah, yeah, that's right, not okay. fair telling me that. All right, I've, I've gone a little bit, and that's that's not good for our cholesterol. So we no, don't worry about the cholesterol. I find it hard to find good crab. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. And that shared something that you... But, you know, I've heard some of the girls even bake their pumpkin first. Yeah. And that, and, make, that gives it another flavour because yeah. it all caramelises. Caramelised. Then they, they blitz that up or sometimes even leave it chunky. Mm. You know, but the, the, the possibilities... Yeah, and, and, and it no, is what's... so good for you because of all the fat-soluble vitamins that are in there, vitamin A, vitamin D, I think, yes. B, I might be guessing, sorry. And, and what I really like is also done tempura Japanese style. Oh. That is to die for as well. It really makes... Do you make tempura batter at home? Not often enough. I... But you do it. You know yeah, how to do it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you take everything you know from Western batters and then throw it away and do the exact opposite. Yeah, it's weird, exactly. isn't it? But it yes. works. Yeah. All right, cauliflower. Cauliflower. Now... This is probably the best cauliflower I've seen in 12 months. Mm. It's got beautiful young leaves on it. Now, a lot of people break these young leaves off. You can see they're a light green, not dark green like the outer leaves. Now, in the olden days, the old Greeks and the old Italians used to eat the leaves more than a cauliflower because there's more flavour in the leaves. So cook the leaves with the cauliflower. Don't throw them away. This is a very, very tight head, a very heavy head, heavier than a lettuce, mind you. We're selling $4. You can get them cheaper around the market. Some may not look so pretty. Put a drop of lemon juice in order. It brings the colour up again. Okay. But you know what my decadence is with this? Battered. Yeah. Oh, we lucky. know. I got lucky she did last it last week. week. Last week, yeah, yeah, we remember. Yeah, I got into trouble yeah. as usual because I was eating it quicker than she can make it. You can also sort of dry fry this and it takes cumin salt amazingly. Yes. yes. That, that is quite yes. extraordinary. Cauliflower yes. soup can be kind of weird, though. If yeah, you boil it no too thanks. much, it gets grainy, doesn't it? Yeah, it's I got weird. into trouble because years and years ago, uh, we went to my mate's place. She's Irish-Australian, and she's Italian-Australian. And, and I, he opened up the door, and I could smell cauliflower soup, and I said, you've got to be joking. And he said, come in, shut up, and keep walking. <laughs> but it was nice. But please, hey. not for me. Yeah, not for you. All right. Uh, we need to. Oh, we need to do pick of the market, John. Oh, pick of the market. You know, we've had these beautiful bullhorn capsicums. Mm. This is not very red. This is an orange one, but we got some beautiful. It's orange. Yeah. yeah, we got some beautiful dark red ones. <coughs> Mum's still got them in the garden as well, which is unusual because it's late. Mm. These are about nine inches in the old scale, or maybe what, ten, twelve centimeters long. A good hand span. Yeah, a hand yeah. span. Very thick. These are lovely because they're thicker wall. They're sweeter. Not cheap, 12 bucks a kilo, but I do sell quite a few, so people are happy with them. They're easy to grill, easy to stuff and fry. So that's one pick. My next pick, carrots. We know, make a go of these carrots while they're here. Yeah. Um, later on, I think I'll probably put all the different colours on when I can't get these ones. Um, white ones, um, Yellowy ones, dark red ones. That's and, good, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll see if people enjoy them or not. Uh, broccoli went up a little bit. It was very scarce this week. They even brought it down from Queensland. I've been selling $6. You can buy a little bit cheaper, but be careful to see how fresh it is. Same story with the beans. Um, my mate Nick would be upset if I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> We've still got Australian grapes coming out of the refrigerator, yes, but they're still worth eating. They're in mint condition. I've been told that the American grapes will hit the shelves this week. So if you're buying grapes, be careful. If you don't like imported stuff, don't buy the American stuff, you know. Yeah, it, it'll be labelled. Yep. Uh, and our tomatoes, dime a dozen. We're selling anything from 250 to $6 a kilo. Ooh. Some for cooking, some for salad, some for roasting. Mm. As usual, you know, there's an abundance of fruit as well, so get out there, 
don't plan your menus at home. Walk around, see what calls you. I do that in a wholesale market. Sometimes it gets me into more trouble than I need because I buy something that I really didn't need to have on a shelf. But because it was so good, I still buy it, and I know I can sell it. My customers are happy. So look around, decide what you want to eat when you're here. It's not hard to work out, Olive, this Monday, this Tuesday, so you don't have to sit down and waste half an hour or so at home. Do it in the market. That's it. And if you've got a cold, if you're full of gunk and you need to demucify yourself, pineapple. Pineapple. And if you've got a bad throat, orange juice, lemon juice, mandarin juice, warm it through with a bit of honey. Boom. Sounds good. Good advice, John, as always. We'll get back into it. Thank you very, very much for your time, as always, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I might have to stand in your sun for another 10 minutes. I know, we should. It's a good excuse, isn't it? Yeah, have a good one. <laughs> hey, mate. You're making notes. You're very studiously making notes. And I'm shuffling my papers so yes. they seem like I'm ready. Thank you, Elizabeth, for that, and thank you for... Um, being a part of the show. It is uh, 3 Triple RFM. Eat It is the name of the show. My name is Cameron Smith. What's me? I have. I have Matt Stebbin. How are you? Hello, how are you? Yes, good. Hello. And on the line, we have Julie Boning. Am I getting that pronunciation right? <laughs> Julie, you there? <laughs> that will do, Cameron. <laughs> oh, let's. Like, shall we do it properly? The last name? Boning. Boning. There we go. No, yes. it's, it's better not to just, oh, that'll do. No, we're going to do this properly. Um, <laughs> Thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, you are comfortable on this Saturday? Yes, Sunday. <laughs> Just seeing if we're paying attention. That's good. That's good. You passed the, the, the first hurdle. But um, we're, we're ringing you because um, you are part of an incredible culinary tradition. And we talk about the American Donut Kitchen. Indeed. Which, um, look, for if you haven't had a donut from the American Donut Kitchen, I'd just question, where have you been? Oh, exactly. Uh, what are, what, what are you doing? But I can't believe that it has been such a long history of this thing. Can we start at the beginning? Yes. When did, um, first of all, the genesis, I mean, how did... The idea of um, selling donuts from an enclosed vehicle become a reality. Well, my father, Arnold Bridges, <clears throat> and his um, well childhood friend, really, Dave Christie, they went to school together. Annie and um, Dave, thick as yeah. thieves, they were. <laughs> they were. They, they, they were good buddies. Were they sort of a bit larrikinish? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, no doubt about it. Yes, and, and yes. where did where did they grow up? In Collingwood. Oh, okay, yes. Yes, they went so to this school is the... together. They lived a street apart in Collingwood. So this is the Langridge Street connection that... Uh... <clears throat> yes. So grew up in Collingwood. And Ver- went to school. Very good mates. Went to school together. Yes. Um, and then they sort of just became friends and stayed good friends and they ran a woodyard for some years before they decided to move into Donuts. And they met, well, they'd met a German, did they? Yes. Have... How did they meet this? What was his name? Um, his surname was Keffer, K-I-F-F-E-R. Yes. Um, and, and I don't know his first name. Oh, I'm that's sorry. all right. It, it doesn't, it, it's not really, but it was just kind of interesting that uh, this, this route that they, they took and they, they bought the recipe off the German. 
Is that and right? They did. Yeah. They did. And he didn't think they'd um, make a success of it. Uh, uh, you fools. <laughs> fools. <laughs> Proof uh, them wrong. <laughs> uh, they gave me good money, though. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, but they, uh, they bought some old vehicles and stripped them down, one being a, um, a 1937 Rio Speedwagon. Wow. And they, Terrible band, great vehicle. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> they stripped it right down to the basic chassis. Yes. And then they built the whole thing up from there. So they, were, they, were, they, were, so they went from, like, wood, which is, you know, yes. as a material is, you know, uh, fairly primitive, uh, but they were able to get their hands on some aircraft-grade aluminium and steel, is that right? Yes, they sourced things from wherever they could. Yeah, right. And Dave was, um, by trade, a fitter and turner. Ah. And my father, Arnold, he, he sort of just learnt along the way. And yeah. Between the two of them, they worked their magic, worked many, many, many long hours and lots of hard work in, and managed to build these vans that we have today, which are now very ancient. And, <laughs> they need lots and, of upkeep. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're very beautiful vans. So um, there's, there's one that's a little bit bigger than the other one. So there's a sort of, do we call it like the small one and the big one? Is that... Sort of the way you guys no, look at it? No, no. We sort of go, we go, we go by the registration, you know, the, the gem, really. Oh, really? Okay. So which was the first one, though? Um, uh, the um, Rio Speedwagon. That was the first one that they did. And uh, what's the Reggio on that one? That's gem. That's gem. The gem, gem. The gem star. Yes. So, So the gem emerges from the workshop in Collingwood. and. Yes. And I take it that in those days it emerged under its own steam or petrol. Yes. Or diesel. Was it diesel? Petrol. Petrol. Okay. So, so, so you, but the thing is, um, they were able to be driven around. Oh, yes. And they went many miles too. And, and they did. So, so where was the first gig you guys got? Was it at the market or was it sort of... Just sort of travelling yes, around. In, in the Queen Vic market was the first one. And, of course, in those days, they didn't work five days a week. The market wasn't open um, all those days back then. Yeah. When, when was the market open in those days? Sunday wouldn't have been on, that's for sure. No, no, Sundays no. was much later. That was the 80s when that started, I think. Um, but, stuff, yes. Um, Saturday, it was, I think it was Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And I believe, if my memory serves me correctly... Um, they did have a night market at one stage, but yeah. I don't know how long that went for. But um, my father used to drive all around country Victoria, well, Western Victoria, to the country shows once a year. Yes. And go from all the different lovely old towns in Western Victoria to do the shows. Yes. And on Saturdays, after the market, the market closed at 1 o'clock on Saturday. Oh, he's off. And they rang a bell. At one o'clock, and you, everybody had to stop selling. No, at that really? time. Yeah. Uh, it didn't matter if you had produce left or whatever it was, whether it be meat, fruit, vegetables, <gasps> or donuts. Didn't matter. You had to shut shop at one o'clock. And you know, I seem to remember that. I don't know why I seem to recall this, but there was a thing that you did was you took the trays away from the scales because you know the scales. Have the things, and one of the things you had to do was to take them down. Is that right? Or am I just imagining that? Oh, what for the fruit and veggie? Yeah, people? fruit and veg people. Like, oh, right, probably. Yes, yeah, finish yes, right. I... Put your oh, trays down. And where would he go after that? Well, 
um, during the winter time, when the, in, during football season, um, we would then pack up and Dad would drive the the, um, the van to the MCG, mm. and we'd start get going again, and we would serve all the hungry football crowd. And you did a bit of thing around the uh, the MCG. One, there's an interesting story. Again, this is a different time in Melbourne. But one thing was when the MCG was filled to the greatest capacity probably ever. Uh I think there was 140,000 people to hear an evangelist by the name of Billy Graham. Yes. And you had a bit of a a session selling donuts there and something happened to the van. Oh, well, they just swarmed upon the van uh, on leaving the, the, the ground. Yes because everybody wanted donuts and it was just impossible for them to serve them, you know, so quickly and they were rocking the van. <laughs> Apparently it was van. quite frightening. Well, yeah, and Carl was telling me, your dad was telling because I had a chat with him, he said apparently the van got pushed back about six feet. Yes. That's so what he said. The story goes from my father. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I'm, I'm just amazed that they weren't... Because the one thing that makes it... a tiny bit perilous is the fact that you've got a vat of hot oil. Oh, yes. Yeah, and if you've got vats of hot oil sloshing, yes, that'd be pretty terrifying. It, it is, and I've actually experienced that myself after um, working at grand finals in later years. Um, and if you've got angry crowds sometimes that came out, we tried to <laughs> prepare and cook ahead and, and yes. you know, pre-package them ready to sort of serve people as quickly as possible. Um, But people would sometimes push the van from side to side, and it was very scary because, yes, as you say, the the hot oil was sloshing around and was very dangerous. And what do you do? You stick your head out and go, hey, pull your heads in, you people. Well, you try to, but then a lot of them have had um, one or two little drinks. Oh, okay, and, uh, and, and, yes, and blood has risen to the the head. Yeah, okay, just keep serving the donuts and, yes. and we'll, we'll, we'll keep them happy. So, um, yeah, the fact is that there is more than one. So when you go to the market, uh, one of the things is that there is almost like a continuing restoration of the one that happens to be in the shop. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Who looks after all that? Uh, well, Dave's um, son, Craig, mm. <laughs> He's, he does a lot of that and... Uh, Oh, of course, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. Yes. And uh, my son-in-law now is involved in the business, as is uh, my daughter. So we've got and three so generations now that have been doing selling these since the, uh, since 1950. 1950, yes. Wow. So um, Justin's learning the tricks of the trade from um, Craig uh, because he is also a trade uh, a, a fitter and turner by trade as well. So. Yes. Uh, yes, you, you know, you've got to pass it on to somebody so they know what to do. Well, look, it's, uh, I think it's been, it's an amazing business and a great institution. And there is one more thing that we have to ask. And if you want to play along, folks, um, go to ADK1950, American Donut Kitchen. Uh, there's an amazing gallery of pictures. And one of them looks like it is from... A rock festival and from like the seventies. Oh, Sunbury. It, is that su- it is Sunbury. It is Sunbury. You were at Sunbury. Nineteen seventy two, the very first one. Oh my god. What was that like? Can you tell us in a, just, we've got a couple minutes. 
What was Sunbury 1972 like? Oh, my gosh, it was incredible. Um, nothing like we would have expected. No. Um, so many people there. Yes. Um, and even maybe even drunker and a little bit more off chops than a football crowd. Oh, well, crowd. we had all of that. We had yep. the drunks and we had the ones who would, yep. you know, sort of have had a, a little, you know, Something or happy, other. happy stuff. Happy stuff, yes. Happy stuff, <laughs> They're probably and better, they were, they're probably better than the drunks, though, weren't they? And lots of naked people running around. And lots of naked people. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're not letting them near the deep fries. No, no. no. And so, yes, and oh, it, it was um, it was eye-opening. And, of course, but it was fun. The music was fantastic. And, you know, it was it just went on all day and nice and, yes. And, and, the, and there was and a lot of mess left donuts. behind. And there was a lot of... You, know, you can see it, it. It's worth having a look at the photos. It is, um, indeed. Where you've got the donuts and they've been selling uh, and there's a few casualties around in people <laughs> and in cans. Um, yes. Congratulations on that. Um, and I hope that when people pick up the donuts, they think about their history. And it's been awesome going over with you a little bit here on the radio. Thank you. We're looking forward to our 70th birthday next year. Well, we'll have to get we'll get back in touch, okay? And we'll um, we'll have another chat if that's all right. Yes. I just thought yes. I knew this was happening, so I thought it'd be one of the first. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll let you get on with it and have a, a lovely day. Thank you for having a chat with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Cam. That, that was Julie Boning from yes. uh, Booning. Uh, from the American Donut Kitchen. And, yeah, but go and have a look at the, the website. Yeah, it's the very cool. The photos are very cool. Mm. It's 1 o'clock, and I'm just cutting into Neil's time again as normal. But he's waving. <laughs> How are you, Neil? Um, looking forward to the afternoon. We're still here. Johnny yeah. Long Goes and all the other great shows that are on Why Would You Go Anywhere Else? Yes. But we have to. Yes, we must and shall. Tune in next week. We might even have some Campari. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. See ya. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.